This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone and welcome to TSP episode 35. This is the dedicated weekly Southampton FC podcast. My name is Ben Stanfield at Ben Stanners from Twitter. Joining me on this week's episode is Adam Leach, Chief Sports Writer at the Southern Daily Echo. Adam, a long drive up, I imagine a, an even longer drive back and sandwich somewhere in the middle, a, a complete rewrite? Well, something like that. I mean, it was uh, it was just heartbreaking, really, for Saints from a Saints perspective. Um, actually, yesterday I was on my own and I came back with... Uh, the Radio Solent guys kindly gave me a lift back, Adam and uh, Dave Merrington, and we were all in the car coming back, and, and it just sort of every so often in the in the three and a half whatever hours it took to get home, one of us would just I think start shaking our heads and just go I, I can't quite believe what I've just seen. Yeah, uh, it was almost one of those days where you couldn't quite believe your eyes as to as to what was going on, and and even uh, we're speaking like more than 24 hours or about 24 hours after that goal went in actually almost mm, exactly yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah and to be honest I've still I've been working all day today and I've still had like a, a slight sense of disbelief about about the whole thing and it almost seemed like a some way it was like a dream the mm. the way it went it was um it just a really really weird weird day and uh, and uh, in equal measure, dispiriting and positive. There were a lot of positives to take from it, but obviously, when you've got to basically within touching distance of safety, I mean, Saints could virtually reach out and touch it yep. 95 minutes into that game, and then it snatched away. And you've had the the kick in the guts that they had against Chelsea recently as well. Yep. That's that's when it really starts to compound because you begin to think, and you could forgive people, even the players, for beginning to think goodness me everything's against us it doesn't matter what we do mm. we it's almost like destiny that we're going to go yeah. um so i think that's that's the hard thing but there are a lot of positives there and I, I think that's what mark hughes will be desperately clinging on to in the very short turnaround that they've got as they prepare for swansea which obviously is um is pretty much do or die now 
a massive game. Yeah, no, totally. So, uh, okay, well, I mean, obviously in this episode we'll discuss in more detail the uh, the heartbreaking. I think there is an element of positivity, as Adam just mentioned there, from uh, Everton. We'll also look ahead to the massive game at Swansea that's coming up this week. And uh, in the middle of that, we're going to talk to Adam about the Daily Echoes Player of the Season Award. This is Total Saints Podcast, episode 35. Sometimes football is a, a cruel, cruel game, Adam. I think we, we suffered that feeling again at Everton, as you just mentioned yesterday. Conceded a, a 96-minute equaliser to take away two precious points, the game ending 1-1. Whilst it moved us out of the relegation zone on goal difference, it still felt like a, a defeat to many people. I, I think um, if there was probably one word that was sum it up, Adam, I think I tweeted gutted at the end. Gutted, gutting, all of those sort of words linked to that. Probably the, the right word, I'd imagine. Absolutely, yeah, spot on. Gutted, gutting, heart heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, uh, all those sort of things I've been trotting out uh, while I've been writing about it. It's um, And it really was. I mean, you just had to take one look at the reaction of the players when that goal, the equalising goal, went in at the end to, to see um, what it meant and, and that they knew what it meant. And mm. I've got to start off by being very positive and say that is one of the best performances they put in this season yep. um, because they didn't, you know, even against, uh, they were much better than they were against Bournemouth. Um, and there was a lot of commitment, a lot of spirit, a lot of heart to a man. They stood up. They didn't all play well, mm. but they all stood up and, and gave a real shift and, and really gave it everything they had. And you, you could only admire that. And we haven't probably seen enough of that from them as a collective, you know, one to 11 this season. Uh, but they were really at it and they dominated, um, Everton. From the first kick to, well, basically the penultimate kick mm, mm. Uh, of the match. And they thoroughly, thoroughly deserved a win. Everton deserved absolutely nothing from that game. Um, and had they have lost by considerably more goals, they couldn't really have complained. They were absolutely dreadful. Now, I, I do accept that, uh, um, obviously, they had to sink up front. But other than that, they, they were, uh, you know, they didn't have Sigurdsson, Walcott, Rooney, Calvert-Lewin. Mm. Well, you take those players out of any squad mm. and, uh, you know, not in the top six and they are going to struggle a little bit. And Everton really did struggle in an attacking sense. So, yes, it was a good day for Saints to play them. Yes, uh, there was quite a lot of discontent regarding Allardyce up there, as we'd speculated on last week. And, and that all helped Saints, you know, it all played into the into the narrative of what took place. But take nothing away from the performance that Saints put in because... They took full advantage, and uh, you know, we funnily enough, when we were up there uh, at half time, it was obviously nil nil, and, and Redmond scored early in the second half. And, and we, the, I was sat with the Saints guys, and we were saying to each other, the only thing about this, this could this could barely be a more positive performance mm. if if they tried. But the only thing is, as long as it's one nil, yep. you're on a knife edge. And to be honest, uh, I, I mean, I, I said last week I didn't feel like I was nervous for the Bournemouth. Uh, game with them scoring and I wasn't really with Everton either because they hadn't created a chance in 90 minutes and it wasn't as if even in when we were closing in towards the end Saints were pinned back they were under relentless pressure Everton were really piling forward they were cruising mm. they were absolutely cruising they were comfortable once uh, I mean the nearest Everton got was a late free kick yep. McCarthy made an absolute top draw save uh, and when that when he made that save you thought that's it that's yeah. it. Everton have had their chance. Job done. Pack up. Three points in the bag. So, 
And I think that's probably, you know, the the players were, were just giving everything. I mean, they were they were down on the ground. I yeah. mean, literally, they were they were almost falling because they put in so much work. So they tried so hard that, that, that a couple of them almost seemed like they could barely stand at the end with the amount of effort they put in. And so to end up not winning is just absolutely, it's just crushing. It's yeah. absolutely crushing for them. But they've got no time to feel sorry for themselves now because they've got a, a very, very short turnaround. And realistically, it looks like they're going to have to beat Swansea or they're down. Yeah, yeah. I, I, look, we'll, we'll obviously go on to talk about the the sort of events of the last couple of minutes um, in, a, in a minute. But just in terms of Mark Hughes and the last couple of weeks, we, we've spoken throughout the season, myself particularly as a fan, about the, the lack of fight, the lack of belief, the, the lack of real passion within the squad. But I think we saw against Bournemouth, and as you said, we saw again yesterday that you know he's, he's really sort of seemed to have instilled some, some of that in the squad now, and they really do seem to be fighting. And although it may be a little too late, you know, at least as a fan now, you're starting to see that, hold on a minute, you know, we really need to fight if we want to maintain our status here. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, we don't, what we can't say for certain is how much of that is directly the influence of Mark Hughes and his coaching staff and, and how much of that is uh, a realisation by the team that we're going to be playing championship football next season if mm. we're not careful and we don't really want to do that um, because the majority of teams pick up at this time of the year who are down there and teams that have seemed not to care suddenly seem to care a lot. So we don't know how much of this is, is being done kind of for Hughes or because of Hughes or how much of this is being done for, well, his personal pride or selfish reasons, whatever it is, you know, whether it's not wanting to have a pay cut, not wanting to play in the championship, you know, what, what, you know, careers on the line, whatever it is. We don't, we don't really know. But the thing is, is you, you have to give Hughes credit, really. I mean, they haven't, they have, I mean, it's fair what he says. They have had a difficult trial fixture since he's taken over. Um, when you look at the points they picked up, Realistically, they've not really done any more under him than they were doing under Pellegrino. Mm. Um, it's not the, the results haven't been markedly better, but at the very least, at this crucial time, they have come into a small bit of form. And for a team that have got so few points, five points in three games yep. constitutes form mm-hmm. uh, of some description. And at least they've got that on their side. They have the, a small feeling of momentum. And I think what's also clear is, as I've said before, is. Um, that the things that Hughes has really focused on and has want to work work hard on, you can see beginning to come to fruition in the matches. And I think that's really encouraging as well because the the confidence, the fragility, the difficulty of coping with pressure is not something that, that he or anybody else can just come in and take away. Mm. But those more technical aspects uh, and the team, um, whether you think that playing five at the back of the long term is a very good idea or not, probably not, at least in the short term, he's given them a very uh, good structure. They understand what they're trying to do. They understand their game plan, how they're going to try and execute it. He's kept it simple for them. He's not made loads of changes. He's not kept chopping and changing formations. He's just playing a certain way. He's kept everything simple and he's worked on the basics and they have really borne through, I think. I know you've um, been quite positive in your, your sort of tone towards Nathan Redmond this season so it's good for him to, to come on and grab a goal and I know he got the, the man of the match award from BT Sport as well although I appreciate that will be little um, real sort of consolation to him but again you know a player that has taken a lot of flack from Saints fans and it could have been and it could still be at the end of the season a crucial goal. Yeah it could be and um, what I'll say about Nathan Redmond is that I think everybody was 
relatively frustrated with his performances in the in the first half of the season when he just wasn't really at it. Um, and and uh, I I just think that I mean the night we were at the Sea City Museum opening, you remember yeah. that I went and I interviewed him then, and um, it was obvious to me that he had been very shaken uh, by the abuse that he'd got from the Southampton fans. Uh, and particularly at um, Tottenham on Boxing Day, when when he got you know a real volley of booze and, mm. and abuse and things like that, and, and that and I think Pellegrino, um, to his credit, did the right thing and he took Redmond out of the firing line for a while, which I think was the right thing to do at that point in time. Mm. Um, now Redmond has gone away, he's reflected on it. I imagine that uh, deep down he's still not desperately impressed with with the so-called fans that have given him all that abuse. Um, and I imagine that <laughs> at some point that will come back to bite Saints potentially. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, he um, has reflected upon it and upon his own position in the team. And at that point, when I spoke to him and interviewed him, I was impressed by how um, and struck by how uh, measured he was and, and, and how um, there's been a lot of introspection on his part, clearly um, working out what he could do better and he's come back into the team. He's been brought back in, and he's tried to bring that into his game. I mean, he the frustration I think we've had with him for a long time is he is an ideal outlet for Saints on the counter attack. So, and he's got ability to run at people, which not many Saints players have got. Yeah. And so, why why don't you? Why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you just going for it, even if it goes wrong? But I think that's a problem when you get into the cycle of a lack of confidence, and you're in his position. It looks terrible, and you get the crowd oh, oh, boo, mm. every time you run at somebody, and, it, and you don't, you know, produce a, a messy type moment. And I think that's particularly hard for, for players in that creative type position that he is. And then you get, you start retreating, you get more cautious, you don't want to lose the ball, you don't want to do that, so you 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 take a more cautious approach, you come back inside, you pass it, and and that's not really what he's in the team to do. But since he's come back. He's just been positive. Every time he gets the ball, it's head down, run, head yeah. down, run at people, yeah. run at people, try and commit them. And it doesn't always come off. But when it does, um, it, it's just something that Saints have been lacking. And so I think fair play to him because he could have potentially just gone away and, and never really recovered from, from what happened to him and just sulked mm. um, and kind of just disappeared off. But he's come back with a real positive mindset um, to prove to prove people wrong, I think, to be honest with you, to prove... Uh, Saints fans wrong and to, and to show what he's about um, and good on him because he's given it a real good go and he does seem to have, again I know he's been low on confidence this season but when he has played well it's, it's sort of when he's come on as a sub you think of Wembley he did well when he came on there obviously yesterday so you know occasionally when he started games he hasn't really had the impact so Potentially with his pace against sort of tiring defenders physically and mentally, he's the sort of player that can really add that significant value that maybe um, the, the team would lack until that stage yeah, a lot of players in that position often are better off the bench, aren't they? Because yeah. you know they have that sort of impact player role. And we've discussed Josh Sims during the season, who obviously isn't uh, wasn't in the squad at all yesterday, and yeah. and he's another one that I've said before when people have said he should start. Mm, not entirely convinced about that, but mm. certainly worth having on the bench because yeah, like you said, tiring legs, you throw them on, fresh impetus. Um, it's almost easier to come in and have that positive impact on the game than it is when you're starting the game, I think, when you're in that, that sort of position exactly. as those two play. Um, but as I said, you can, only, you can only say fair play to him, really, because he's taken a lot of stick um, and he's not, he's not hidden off. He's not sulked off like some of them have. He's, he's turned around and gone, right, OK. Whether it's, 
whether it's to eventually put two fingers up to people or whether it's um you know it's a much more positive thing it doesn't really matter it's it's got into his head somehow yep. and he's trying to make the best of it and, and you know good good on him for that on to the key talking points then let's start with uh, my Yashid red card he'll miss the game at Swansea what did you make of the two yellow cards Adam oh, well I mean the, it's difficult isn't it you picked up the first one earlier in the game okay well you can argue about it if you want but once you've got it you can't really make the kind of tackle that he that he made for the second one and yeah. I think that's that's the problem really that you know okay you can argue you can make the argument all you want about the first one and it, you know, maybe it was borderline but mm. once you've done it you can't be that rash and especially at that point in the game you know what you've got to do he's a very experienced guy um and it and it was just it was just too much and and the second one really w- was inevitable mm. but from a you know tr- trying to be positive um, I know he's been out for a while so it's a big ask to come straight back in but they've yeah. got Jack Stevens there it's not as if they were uh, they're you're going to have to call in Florian Gardos or somebody like that anymore as he hasn't mm. played it you know Stevens has played a lot of games this season he's yeah. done pretty well for the most part fair enough um, and you give it a go I think the big decision will be when you look at the three obviously Yoshida's played the central role he's mm. been the leader because of his experience um, and he's quite comfortable on the ball in that position sitting a little bit deeper so it's which one do you play there because you've got mm. Wesley Mm, I imagine he'll probably be the one who plays there, but it's a difficult call. You wouldn't play Bednarek there, and Stevens maybe not as well. So it might be the time that you're asking Wesley to really stand up and lead the defence. Yeah, for, for, for me, I mean, just on the, those two points, um, you know, I, I think you see yellow cards given for, for both those fouls. Um, the first one, quite often, you, you leave your foot in and nine times out of ten, there won't be that much contact, but it looks like a yellow card. And then, I know they were talking about it in the studio after the game. I mean, there was four players around uh, Nyase when uh, he made the fouls, so he just didn't need to do it. And I, I know that there's that sort of passion and you, you, you sort of you fly in and then you think afterwards oh, I shouldn't have done it but I mean I guess the other concern and we'll come on to talk about Swansea of course is that you know for me I would probably just leave Bednarak and Hoyt where they are and play Stevens in the middle but you're ultimately you're losing that experience really aren't you because that's something Yoshida's got that the other three now won't have that sort of real international and Premier League experience yeah and a really calm head I mean yeah. Yoshida's really calm he's a calm guy generally he's very very zen you know he's a, he's a lovely guy as well but he's very uh, laid back and, and he brings that sort of calmness of persona onto the pitch. And especially we've seen, you know, his development at Saints has been interesting when you look at the time he's been here. Uh, and, and we've seen that development, that arc, that he's really gained that as time has gone on. Because mm. initially we can remember, you know, he was he, he was liable every few games to have a bit of a wobbler, wasn't he? As Whereas yeah. now you don't expect that from him. He's very, and that's something that comes with experience, with yeah. games. And I think he's been the perfect person to have in that central role in the five because of um, because of the calmness that he brings. But uh, one door closes, another opens, and somebody else has got to take their chance, really. And I think Jack Stevens probably, um, knowing Jack, feels uh, a little bit hard done by, I suspect, mm-hmm. that he's not got back in the team. Um, Bednarek has come in and done well, and so yeah, he, he has, has deserved yeah. to keep the shirt. But I think Jack will feel he's had a good season mm. and that he's more than ready to come in and step up at a crucial time. In terms of the final couple of minutes then, Nathan Redmond gives uh, gives away a free kick. I think predominantly all of us, including the linesman that didn't flag, don't necessarily think it was a free kick. Um, Jonathan Moss then lets them take the free kick pretty much 10 yards away. It keeps the momentum going with a, a quick free kick. Um McCarthy, you know, it's a bit of a bit of a flap, a bit of a half committed punch. But even then, you know, Bertrand just 
you know, stick the ball in the stand, just let it go out, do, do whatever you do. But kicked it straight to Guillet. Then obviously you get a half-hearted block by Hoyt, and it sort of bobbles in over McCarthy. I mean, it, again, it just summed up the luck that we've had this season, Adam. But all, all sort of starting. I know it's easy as a fan to blame referees, but you know it wasn't a great performance by Jonathan Moss, and that sort of 60 seconds, 90 seconds, sort of summed up his performance and the luck we've had this season. I think there's two things to say of this, and one is that. Um... Uh, I, you know, I can't. I I completely agree. I didn't really think it was a free kick. It was very soft, and then obviously it was taken from the wrong place as well by quite a considerable margin. The linesman's two yards away. If you're not going to listen to him, if he doesn't think it's a free kick, then what's yep. the point of him even being there? Yep. Um, <clears throat> Jonathan Moss may as well get rid of the assistants and call everything from the centre circle if he thinks he can do that. Mm. So, um, yeah. So I I think that that is harsh. But then I, I think with these situations, often I find this, uh, us as journalists as well, sometimes we can get a bit wrapped up in uh, in things like this. And, uh, and it's not a penalty, though. It was a, yes, OK, it's an important moment. Get that. Should be a correct decision, and it wasn't. Get that. But you've conceded a free kick in the, the very bo- yeah, the bottom mm. third of, of Everton territory. That doesn't mean you have to concede a goal. Mm. You're not inevitably going to concede a goal from that. He's not given a penalty in the last minute. That's dodgy, um, and and Saints could have, should have defended it better. And I mean, Bertrand played well, but that was just a horrible moment for him. And I think he knew it looking at him. He was crestfallen afterwards. Um, he, uh, I, I mean, I, I even at the time when it came to him, I was like, what? Why aren't you letting this go out for yeah. a throw? I didn't understand yeah. why he was racing over to try and keep it in and then he tried to be obviously a bit cute and I think what he wanted to do was just literally lob it like a little you know pitching wedge shot up the line into the corner just to you know kill some time while he went to retrieve it um obviously completely duffed it Mm. next thing you know you know is the balls in the back of the net via a deflection Mm. and yeah it's those moments as well And, and I know people I know you talked about parallels again with 2005 and we all remember uh, though, though Mark Hughes did talk about it, obviously didn't castigate Ryan Bertrand, but we all remember uh, Harry Harry's rant about Peter Crouch yep, with the last-minute yep. goal. You should, why didn't you? Know, what were you doing? Yep. Just shooting like that, you know? Do anything, but don't just give it back to them. And yeah. and that kind of was another one of those moments there and then, wasn't it? And it was just, it was, it was just, I said, it was a slightly soul-destroying, really, because um, they they had dominated that game. Everton hadn't created a thing. And to Saints to hand them something that late, mm. just, just, uh, just crushing. Even thinking about it again now, I'm getting yeah. depressed. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. I mean, I think you know, I'm sure many Saints fans, myself included, it was, uh, it was tough trying to get to bed last night. I think even when you wake up this morning, it was the first thing in, uh, in my head. Which, um, yeah, it's just, it's just so frustrating. I think, as you say, I mean, Jonathan Moss, absolutely, I, I think takes uh, an element of the, uh, of the blame. But for me, you know, as a fan, there were so many um, sort of um, two or three incidents after that that we could have dealt with better as a team, and it could have stopped that goal. But uh, look, I mean, Mark Hughes obviously came out afterwards, um, spoke about Jonathan Moss's performance. We quite often hear managers reluctant to do that because they can get slapped on the wrist but he was very honest and I think probably as a fan you, you, you would want him to do that because I think everyone neutrals and I saw Simon Jordan for example had tweeted about it this morning saying that we've been robbed and those sorts of things so you know there's, 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 there's no real point in trying to sort of hide away from the fact that it was just um, you know pretty poor performance by the referee start to finish. I think one of the things I like about Mark Hughes and I, uh, I gather a lot of other people like there's no you know he's pretty upfront. 
you can't, can't accuse him of beating around the bush too much. Yep. He's very honest, and and his press conferences uh, after Claude and uh, Maurizio, though I like them both as as men, they were both nice men, and, and you know I enjoyed their company when we were together. But they were, um, you know, their press conferences were pretty pretty dull mm. the majority of the time. And trying to, you know, the, I'm sure that had that incident occurred and either of them was the manager, we we would have heard some platitudes about. Well, you know, it's refereeing, or the, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. Just have to forget about it. As whereas, obviously, Hughes, uh, just well, basically vented mm. <laughs> afterwards. Yep. Um, and fair enough. I think I don't have a problem with it, to be honest. In fact, I, I think it's a good thing, and I think that's one thing that has endeared people to Mark Hughes since he's been here is that he's spoken his mind a lot, and he's been pretty honest and pretty forthright. And he's a guy. Um, you ask him a straight question, he gives you a straight answer. There you go, and and I think that um, I think that's been what Saints need in this moment as well, just generally um, from their point of view as as well, not specifically the game, but just generally in the situation they find themselves in. They need a good, straight-talking, honest, more more what I would call traditional manager, and and Hughes is providing that. Just finally on the Everton game, then some of us predicted one-one last week, four million points. Um, but you know, I think um, I, I think you, you remember right. You said two-one. Uh, well, sure what, two what actually happened? What actually happened? <laughs> I said I was going to go for one-all. You said basically complaining like a big baby that I that I was stealing your prediction, and so therefore I reluctantly changed my prediction. Uh, for you, so surely I get something. I checked. I checked my notes earlier. It definitely had two one against your name, so I, I can't give you anything, Adam. I'm afraid. Uh, I mean, I, 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 look, look, okay. Look, as it's the end of the season, I'm in a good mood. I'll give you half a point. Wee. So how far am I behind now? Well, we'll, we'll do a final score next week, but it's not looking good. Um, right. But, okay. but, but look, I mean, joking aside, um, the goal was deflating, but at least they still came away with something. And yes, it will be hard to, to sort of pick themselves up again, but at least they took something out of the game. And we probably would have taken a draw before the game if you'd offered it to us. Mm, I, I didn't think so, actually. I think that they, I, I felt before the game that was that was one they probably needed to win. But I do understand the uh, viewpoint that other people had that, that um, a draw would be potentially enough. I, I think what they need to do is they need Saints, they need to try and, as hard as it is, extricate themselves from the circumstances of what happened and find the positivity in the performance and, as you rightly say, in, get, in getting something. At least there's something. It's They've still got a chance, beaten. haven't they? They've still got a chance of staying up now. That's, that's the main thing. They're in the, they're in the mix. Yeah. They've yeah. still got every chance. They've got it in their hands. Now, we know they've got Man City on the last day. We know all about that. But ultimately, if they beat Swansea, they're probably going to stay up, aren't they? It's very, if they beat Swansea, it is highly unlikely, almost improbable beyond belief that they will go down. And so, therefore, they know what they've got to do. They've got one game and they've got to win it. And if they fail to win that game, they aren't down. It's not over. But the, the odds are massively stacked against them at that point. If it's a draw or a defeat... Um, you know, I think if Swansea win, I th- I c- it's hard to see Saints coming back from that. If it's a draw, I think, to be honest, Swansea would take that because yeah. I think that they will feel that they can better Saints' final day result. So Saints are going to have to go win. Now, before we go on to talk about Swansea, in a moment of what I'll call boredom this week, I suppose, I decided to work out, with it being almost the end of the season, how many miles Adam had travelled this season back and forth to watch Saints. So 
I won't give Adam's home location away because I don't want any uh, additional paparazzi uh, surrounding your house, Adam. But let's just say it's out to the northeast suburbs of Southampton. So including yesterday um, up at Everton, Adam has attended 38 of our 42 home and away league and cup games this season. So that's 33 Premier League games, one infamous Carabao Cup game against Wolves and four FA Cup fixtures. Um, data reliably provided by Google, I must say, but there are uh, other sites uh, available for data. But the shortest trip, of course, is down to Bournemouth and back the longest is the uh, circa 700 mile trip up to Newcastle um, anyway Adam I, I put a poll out on the um, Twitter site earlier this week um, with uh, a few guesses to see if people could uh, try and work out what it was we had 3,629 4,985 5,337 or 6,019 miles so before I give the answer away where, where was your guess on that I'm sure they. All, I'm sure they all depress you anyway. To be honest, but. yeah, they, they it massively depresses me because uh, yeah, you do. I think I even uh, put a tweet out and said it does make you question your life choices <laughs> when you when you realise how much time you spend every single yeah. year. At least you uh, get paid for it. around. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Not much, but it's better than nothing. Um, so I I reckon four thousand nine hundred. Is that what you reckon? Yeah, I reckon that is incorrect. I must say. So, oh, uh, so what? yeah. So I, I, do you know? I, I was almost going to throw in how many press conferences you've done at Staplewood just to really cap it, but uh, I didn't, oh, I didn't yeah. get that far in the end. But no, it, look, it was five thousand three hundred thirty-seven miles was uh, wow. how far you travelled this season. So congratulations. <laughs> oh, I mean, that, that'll that's a few. Um, there must be a few packets of toilet rolls or whatever they give away for air miles these days but just to make it even more fun for you adam from southampton new york is 3419 miles <laughs> <laughs> um, this is getting really depressing now it's, it's just about to um timbuk is 3461 miles <laughs> um delhi is 4241 oh, miles what? beijing oh. beijing from southampton is 5124 oh. miles San Francisco, Adam, 5,342 miles. So oh, you're five what? miles short of travelling all the way to San Francisco this season. How did that feel? Wow, really um, demoralising, yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to go to Swansea, yeah? Now, we're also going to have a chat about the Daily Echo Player of the Season Award. Adam put out a tweet this week announcing that the Daily Echo were going to run their Player of the Season Award. Um, I think probably uh, sent the tweet and ducked for cover, I think, Ads, because it's been quite a, a tough season for fans. And I think trying to sort of uh, give any awards away at the end of the season, whatever happens, is probably going to be hard work. But um, I just wondered if you could sort of tell us, not necessarily why you've done it, because I think we probably appreciate it's about keeping tradition, but you know the reasons behind deciding to do it in light of this season. Yeah, well, I, personally, my, my opinion is that it's uh, football is about history and tradition as well. And um, I, I think that's one of the things that I've uh, been critical of the football club is that I don't think that they, they do enough to recognise the history and tradition of, of Saints down the generations. And I think it's important. It's Yes, it's football's a business, but actually one of the things that makes it the, what it is is the fans and the fact that the fans have their heroes, they, they, you know, and they, and they should be recognised as such. And the the at the end of the day, the, the Daily Echo Player of the Year award. This is the 45th time it's been awarded. It was 73, 74 was uh, the first year when Mick Shannon won it, um, and it's been it's, we've awarded it every year since, in good times and in bad. It's the only uh, you know Saints have latterly kind of joined joined with us and then have branched out to do their own one for commercial reasons um 
well, that's, that's up to them if they want to do it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit petty of them to have done that personally, but nonetheless, they can do what they want. But as we're seeing this year, I mean, who knows whether they will or won't do it. But at this point, mm-hmm. they're obviously not running uh, their one at the moment no. because it's a difficult season. And, and I, I understand their point of view. I understand why you, why you would perhaps not uh, want to run it at this point in time. Don't get me wrong, like you said, we've taken pelters for having the temerity to run it, but mm. I think it's important uh, that it that it is run and that we stick to history and tradition. And and with things like this, I say this is why, um, despite the fact that you know with the echo, whatever people may have criticisms of of what we do, and that's completely fair enough. Um, and we don't do everything perfectly, but I think it's important that we're there mm. and we're there with the club all the time, and we do these things and we keep these things going because we are not. Um, we are not worried about a fan backlash that the club have to be worried about. We're not worried about, uh, you know, upsetting people at the club or criticising when it needs doing and things like that. So uh, I think that's why it's important that we're there and we're there to uphold these histories and traditions. Um, I, I think uh, I, to me it's important, which is why I was insistent that we should we should do this this year. I don't I, I don't see any reason why not. They've been relegated before and we've awarded the award it's always voted for by the fans it's not decided by me it's not decided by any of my colleagues or anybody who works at the paper it is a true fan award and uh the great and the good have won it um and a bit like sports personality of the year when you look through the list of sports personality of the year winners you see some of the the greats world greats of sport on there and then you see some complete and utter you know fruitcake years and you're like how the hell did that person win sports personality of the year yep. um and and some people didn't and and it's a bit like that with the echo award when you you know the player of the season award when you look through some of the names and you've got you've got all the greats in there you know and then um you know one of the other dreadful seasons uh andrew davis won the award in another in another like one of the dreadful and you think well how the heck is he on this list mm. he's you know he only play any games and yeah uh that's that's why uh in my personal opinion, it's important uh, to keep this going in good times and in bad and to recognise that football, you don't always have good times and, and there are bad times, uh, but the world goes on and you just have to come back again if you have a bad time. And, and But it's important not to lose your integrity or what you're about. And that might sound a bit grand for a player of the season award, but I just think it's important. Um, and I, I, like I said, if I don't feel that the club recognises history and tradition. I don't want people to accuse us of that as well. No, that's good. Well, well said. Um, just in case anyone's wondering, Andrew Davis is currently playing for Ross County. I, uh, I know he's based up here in Scotland. But, uh, look, I, I mean, we've spoken about it before, Adam. Generally, it's been hard to, to really pinpoint any Saints players that have come out of this season with credit. There's, there's certainly a handful that I can think of, you know, two or three off the top of my head. But how did you come up with your shortlist? I know you um, sort of documented that in the Echoes. Yeah, well, I mean, we can we can only really we've done it before where we've just had everybody that's played, um, you know, a minimum number of games. But it gets a bit unwieldy, to be honest, doing it like that. And I think um, whilst that was a good way of doing it when people more traditionally would vote by post nowadays when it's all online, I don't think it, it looks a mess to look at. People don't really want that. There's only you know, normally you, you put these you end up with like. 16 players or something and and there'll be eight or nine of them that don't get a vote and you could work that out before you even started so i think we decided let's pick a sensible number and then we'll obviously make sure we've got the leading contenders covered 
Um, there might be one or two that, that are sort of slight outliers that, that might have got one or two votes, but I don't mm. think, yeah, I think you can be pretty confident that you're not going to leave anybody off the list that would have won. Um, that would be quite a major <laughs> oversight, obviously. Mm. So, uh, I, th- I, well, basically, the, those led by me and, and my colleague Peter, who obviously has been to the majority of games as well, had a discussion about who is going to be the leading contenders. Let's have a look and double check on appearances and things like that. And there's one or two fringy ones that maybe I would ideally like to have got onto the list that, that weren't there. But, you know... Guido Carrillo? Uh, well, what an impact. <laughs> what an impact. I mean, to be fair, it's a, it, he deserves an yeah. award all of his own, I think. <laughs> I don't know quite what you'd call it, but I mean... I can well, think of a few words, but I'm not sure I want to say them on here. But yeah. Worst January signing uh, <laughs> ever, yeah. maybe, yeah. I think. Um hopefully not worth signing ever but in terms of January when you want that impact he's obviously not had it so um, yeah so that's how we came up with it it's not that was not a scientific method but I said before we've been very stringent on minimum number of games and everybody then qualifies but but you've got to be realistic people don't want to look at a massive vote on a computer screen and be scrolling through loads of people to find their players it's just not how people view the internet and how people look at it on mobile devices so we, we we said right let's Try and get to about eight players. Um, realistically, no, nobody who's not on that list is likely to win, even if there might be a few people who've contacted us saying, I'd like to vote for so-and-so or so-and-so. Yeah. You just have to say, well, okay, fair enough. Sorry about that. But, you know, realistically, I'm not going to win. So it doesn't, it doesn't actually make too much end. So that's, that's how we came up with it. No, fair enough. Maybe the, uh, I was, I was slightly surprised to see, uh, Mr. Bertrand on there, but that's probably a conversation for another day. But uh, well, all I can say is that uh, <laughs> people have said that to me. Yeah, um, you and... see more of him than most most people have consistently, haven't you? So uh... yeah, but the thing is, he's actually um, I'm not going to give anything away at this point. But in the early polling, he's not done too badly. No, he's got more than Guido Carrillo. Well, Guido Carrillo didn't make the shortlist. No, You'll be no. surprised to hear. Well, that's probably um, safe because there could have been a sort of backlash and everyone vote for him just in disgust or something like that. So you're probably well, we, wise. This is to, another yeah. um, thing that we considered as well, actually, is that, that obviously when you've got internet voting, there is, if you um, just went for everybody who played a minimum of five games, yeah. you see it all the time, you would have got like Pompey fans hijacking yeah. the vote and got 10,000 votes for Carrillo or something stupid yeah. like that. Have they got that many so people? Actually, have they got that many to, fans? Well, they're, they're, I don't know, but maybe they're, they, um, I don't know that it's one vote per person, so yeah. I don't know whether you could rig it, you know, yeah. if you were so minded, if you were sat at home, yeah. if you were Ryan Bertrand, and you thought, yeah, what I really want, I want that trophy, I'm just going to spend all day just voting for myself. Yeah, to be fair, I did vote on their uh, new Pompey logo, and I went for the worst one, so you're right. Yeah, so that's the problem that you've got, is whereas if you pick eight people, or seven, eight people, who you think realistically any of them would be a contender then there's no real incentive to hijack the vote because if yeah. any of them wins, it's not exactly a huge yeah. uh, blow or a huge shock, is it? Yeah. So um, that was another thing that we did briefly consider as well. So I no. think uh, I think we came up probably with the right shortlist and you could argue one or two, but with, with regards to Bertrand, like I said, in the early polling, and I must admit I haven't actually looked for four or five days, but in like the first couple of days when you, you get the initial rush of mm. votes, um, he wasn't doing too badly. So I, I voted for Alex McCarthy. I, I've got to say, I think he's done a, a really good job since he came in at uh, the start of uh, the year. So yeah, he got my vote, Adam, and I think he's um, he's been pretty consistent. I, I know you can't give too much away, but if you had a if you had a vote up your um, you know up your sleeve or in your pocket, wherever you want to call it, where where would you stick it? 
I um, if I were to vote, and I don't vote because I, I don't think it's probably my place to vote in our own poll, but um, I, I would actually uh, maybe you think this is controversial. I don't oh, know, but I, I, one, you? no, I'd have voted for Tadic. Yeah, uh, this year. Yeah, okay. yeah I, I, I mean, I, I think um, for a lot of the, the the thing I like about Dusan is that even when he hasn't played well, which has been some considerable periods of the season, in fairness, he has actually given it a real go. He's mm. never he's never been lack, you know wanted for lack of trying. I think that when you look back now with hindsight, you have to say that they just haven't utilized him um until recently when Hughes has come in they haven't utilized him in the best and most effective way but he's never stopped trying he's played virtually every game this season and he's given it his all in pretty much all of them he's uh and a midfielder who's our joint top goal scorer um now you know all right we've joked before that doesn't say much about our other goal scorers perhaps but nonetheless he's actually contributed what seven goals seven premier league goals and that's a decent return for a player in his position and, and he might even get more he's got quite a lot of assists um in a season where we haven't scored many so i think um yeah for me i think he deserves it i mean i, th- I think the vote for mccarthy if i'm honest i don't begrudge uh, alex mccarthy to to potentially win it if he does um but uh, I, I think part of the vote for mccarthy i fear is is a vote for well he isn't tarnished by the whole season um, rather than we think Alex McCarthy's done brilliant and been the best player it's been well that's a, that's a vote for anybody else almost uh, so mm, I, I, yeah, am I being I harsh? Well, yeah I think I think he's made some really important saves you think of that well, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not doing him down yeah, I'm not no, honestly no, no, not no, saying that not, not appreciating him but I think, I think it's pretty rare for a player to play half a season and win the award no, no, true, but I think you know this has been a, a season amongst seasons, hasn't it? It's been pretty depressing start to finish, and there hasn't been a lot to to shout about. So, look, I mean, I, I think whoever wins, it's like whoever finishes in the bottom three, you, you know, it's deserved. Whoever gets the the most votes will will be the deserved winner. But uh, I, I think there will be a few votes for Alex McCarthy on the proviso that arguably he's been um, our best player of the season, whether he, you know whether he's played a half a season or not. But uh, look, just to, to finish then, how do, how do people go about voting if they want to, Adam? What, what's the best ways to do it? Can you just let everyone know when it closes? Yeah, just go over to the Daily Echo website. Um, we uh, have been putting the vote, embedding the, the voting stuff into pretty much all of the Saints stories. Um, deliberately took didn't do that over the weekend because obviously you feel like the game's the focus is not really right to just shove player of the season votes in the middle of uh, match stuff but uh, as of um, the beginning of this week we'll start putting it in again and I think we're closing it on Thursday so I'd recommend to people to uh, if they want to vote to get over there and have their say as, as soon as they can really and just uh, yeah make make your voice heard To finish the podcast this week then we're going to have a look at the Swansea game. It's a quick turnaround for Saints as we mentioned with the game away on Tuesday. Um, we spoke about the, the rescheduling of the game earlier in the year Adam due to both teams success in the FA Cup. Um, maybe if we played Swansea at that time they were in a good run and we'd now be looking at a whole week of heartache leading to Man City and our only chance. So do you think the rescheduling, bearing in mind the luck we've not had this season, might actually work out for us in the end? Swings and roundabouts, I think, because uh, I do agree with what you say, and I, I think that there is a chance that, that it is 
Um, uh, in theory, a better time. Saints obviously have got this momentum behind them, however strong it is, I don't know, but there is some form of momentum, and Swansea obviously are in desperate form, and by all accounts were pretty poor at Bournemouth at the weekend, uh, and, and are obviously struggling a little bit. However, that said, if you're Swansea, I, I think that they were probably just hoping that it was damage limitation until they got to the last two games. Yep. Uh, they've obviously had that, that tougher run of fixtures that Saints went through, um, and it's sort of been boot on the other foot, if you like. You know, Saints had the Chelsea-Arsenal games, things like that. Swansea picked up a couple of points. Flip fixtures kind of almost seemed to flip to a certain extent. Mm. Saints picked up a few points while Swansea struggled. But from Swansea's point of view, they're still well in it playing uh, Saints and Stoke at home in their last two. And I think that if you're them, you couldn't really ask for a lot more than, than what they've got. So, uh, yeah, I, I think perhaps maybe slightly the momentum's with Saints. But um, also there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of pressure on both teams. And it might just be who can handle the pressure better. Um, maybe playing at home will be a huge advantage for Swansea. It might be huge. Maybe it'll be a huge disadvantage if they can't handle the pressure. I, I, we don't really know, and I guess we were not going to be able to draw a conclusion on that till after Tuesday. And whilst, in one way, uh, we, we talk about the form, it might be good. In another way, um, and I asked Mark Hughes about this uh, pre-Everton, um, Saints also, I think, have been slightly unfairly disadvantaged. They've got the two away games, and yes, granted, it's not their not, not anybody's fault that they did well in the cup, and, and therefore they, they end up playing on a Tuesday. But they've got the two away games, and they got the late kickoff on Saturdays, whereas Swansea just had to go to Bournemouth, so just down the road, and then uh, and they had a lunchtime kickoff. So yes, Saints are, are flew to Everton. Yes, they're flying the grand total of 150 miles or wherever it is to Swansea. So it shouldn't be too big an issue. But, it, but you know, we're talking uh, only a couple of days between the games. A handful of hours here and there do, does make a difference. Saints get back late on Saturday, you know, even for the players. They wouldn't have got back home till half 10, 11. Uh, that's not, you know, by the time you've, you've, you've got home and stuff, you don't probably get much, you know, a great night's sleep before you're back in again. Things like it does, it does, it could, you know, potentially undermine them a bit. It doesn't seem to me that it's massively fair. Now, Mark Hughes made the perfectly fair counterpoint that, well, no, it's not, it's not really fair. But if you're going to take all this money from TV, then you can't really complain about it. You either you just turn the money down is the other option. So, uh, and nobody's going to do that. So, um, yeah, they've just got to live with it. But yeah, so it swings and roundabouts for me a bit, I think. So originally. As I say, the fixture was due to be played earlier in the year. They went through a, a good run. They beat um, um, Arsenal. They beat Liverpool. But again, you know, we find them ourselves now going there. They've not won a Premier League game in in seven. They're bottom of the form table. This game is it's almost like a, a cup game, isn't it? The cup final that everyone talks about. But despite what has happened at Everton, Saints know that they can go there and win. They've won at Swansea. They've had a, a decent record, bar maybe last season at uh, Swansea. Sort of since they've been in the Premier League, so. They know they can go there and get that win that, uh, as you say, could could well be the uh, enough to keep them in the Premier League. Yeah, Swansea aren't a high quality team. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. They're not a good team. They're, um, I, I mean, uh, it's going to sound disrespectful to Saints to an extent, but any team who plays 36 games in a season has got 33 points is not a good team, are they? Mm, particularly mm. because that's a pretty pretty appalling record, to be honest. Um, uh, yeah, Swansea are, are struggling for form. Uh, what it's been three defeats in a row and before that a couple of draws so it's been a while since they've won um, 
I think I, I think for the difficulty for Saints is that there's no real margin for error because they know really that they have to win. Yeah. Um, as whereas Swansea, I, I still think that they may feel, you know what, if we if we drew, I, I back us. I back us to do better against Stoke than I back Saints to do against mm-hmm. Man City. Mm-hmm. And that might prove to be incorrect and it might yep. prove to be complacency that's, that's ill-founded. But they at least have a fullback position mm. uh, if they don't win. It's whereas Saints, if they don't win, you don't really feel they've got that much uh, margin for error. So I guess mm. it's that plays slightly more into Swansea's hands. But a point that Adam Blackmore made to me very fairly uh, in the car on the way home from Everton um, was was that in a way perhaps this isn't the worst thing in the world because Saints go there with clarity, clarity mm. of vision. Mm. Yep. They know only a win will do. Yep. So they, 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 there's nothing else on their minds other than winning. Mm. Um, that doesn't say they will win, but at least they have that clear thought. As whereas Swansea, could they get stuck in, two, in between two stalls? Could they mm. be a bit, yeah, we kind of need to win, but God, we really don't want to lose. And, mm. and, you know, they get a bit edgy. They sit a bit deeper, things like that. Um, maybe maybe that plays into Saints' hands. Certainly the last time they felt we have to win was against Bournemouth, and obviously mm. they managed to deliver a victory, however it occurred. So, um, yeah, so I, I think, I still think Saints go there with every chance, but uh, it doesn't, it's a one-off game, and it doesn't take a lot to go wrong, does it? As we saw against Everton, mm. you only need one thing to go against you, especially in tight matches, and suddenly, uh, you know, you're, you're head in hands again. And yeah. I said last week on the pod, my fear, my big fear, was two good performances and two draws. Mm. That was my big fear for Saints, was that that, that could be the, these two matches. Mm. They've had one good performance and one draw, so that has made me even more nervy <laughs> about about the next one, um, because they could go to Swansea, play really well and draw again, and if they do that, blimey, it's, um, you're, really, you're really thinking, we've either got to do something absolutely out of the ordinary or we were really relying on somebody else doing us a favour and that's not a comfortable position to be in. I suppose the pressure could be off Stoke. We saw, we've seen that with West Brom, haven't we? In that, uh, you know, Stoke are now relegated. They've got nothing to lose. So you wouldn't say it's a given, but certainly from Saints' point of view, I saw that Michael Oliver is going to be the referee. Um, famous last words, but, you know, he's probably one of the, the better ones around. I think we've had quite a decent record. I, I think he was um, referee in the, the, the Wigan Cup game away and then also at West Brom when we, we won there early in the season. So ho- hopefully those sort of scenarios might mean that Saints go down there. And I, I, I guess the big question, Adam, and we've, we've touched on it um, a little bit throughout the pod is just how easy it is for them to pick themselves up you know I'm assuming that they were in training today on Sunday that they'll obviously travel down tomorrow or Tuesday morning so it really is now about Hughes and that experience to try and lift them and, and sort of give it one last hurrah really yeah I think there's two things two elements to it one is that um, the physical element and physically like I said to be fair they gave everything at Everton and they look spent at the end so to go again and especially when you don't have that real feeling of positivity because of what happened is is difficult um and it might it might well you know impact upon them as the game wears on um that's one element of it and two is the the psychological and emotional um elements uh as well and and there's all sorts of things that come into play there um and yeah i i I, you know huge it's not with, with the way he's talked about them, he's just done the right thing. He's done the sensible thing, the thing you'd expect. And I think that's what he'll do again. He'll just emphasise the positives, try and 
um, build it up to the Saints players that Swansea are the ones under pressure. It's them that are at home. You know, I imagine that Saints' um, policy will be to try and keep it pretty tight to start with, not mm-hmm. give much away, see if Swansea get increasingly edgy. I think that's a good tactic, probably. Try try to make sure you just don't concede and anything yeah. else is a bonus for an hour. Yeah, take that and then and then maybe launch at them if you're still nil nil and let's see let's see what they've got. Let's see what bottle they've got. Um and if you can do that, I I still think Saints have got a pretty good chance of winning this game because yeah, Swansea not at all convinced by Swansea. The only uh caveat to that of course is that Swansea know how huge this is, their fans know how huge this is, um and if they turn it into a real rip roaring atmosphere and Swansea absolutely like up for this, like you wouldn't believe, like the game of their lives. You could be in for a, a difficult evening, and then you really have to have to be able to match them in some way. But like I said, that's the problem for Saints that there's so little margin for error. But I, I've still got I've still got a certain amount of faith. I think it probably does rest on this game. Mm. Um, but um, I, th- I think they can do it. Do you reckon they'll, uh, Swansea might have the clappers out then? Is that what you're saying? Oh, I hope not. Oh, goodness. If I wasn't depressed enough about how far I've gone this season to have one last trip and hear the yeah. blinking clackers. Yeah, that's that's what we should do, is we should actually make you drive all the way to San Francisco with someone clapping in the background. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, look, is it is it too obvious, just, just before we do our predictions, too obvious to say it will be a tight, nervy game? Or do you think, and you mentioned there about keeping it tight for an hour, but at some point someone's going to have to give something. So do you, do you think it could just be one goal that's sort of one, one nervy mistake that makes the difference? Or both teams sort of going toe-to-toe a bit? I don't see that as a likely uh, scenario to start with. I, th- I think that both teams will approach it with quite a lot of caution, actually. Um, obviously, an early goal, for one team or another, whether it's for a, a bit individual piece of brilliance or for a mistake, could change the dynamic of the game. But if not, I suspect it will be nervy, edgy. One team may have a little bit of pressure. Next team has a little bit of pressure. You know, a bit. One of those games is just a bit like that. But both kind of struggling to find the killer blow. But I, I to be honest, I think that suits Saints more because um, even though they're the ones without the margin for error, I think if they get within 20 minutes, half an hour, and at worst it's still level then from their point of view, you've got nothing left to lose. You just have a go. Yeah. And if, you go, if you're going to go down to a counter-attacking goal when you're battering Swansea, then, well, you just have to accept that's, that's what, the situation you've got yourself in. That's well, You've got to try and win, and it's as simple as that. So I don't foresee... Uh, I think Swansea will be cautious, and I don't foresee Hughes going gung-ho from the first kickoff. Um either I don't think that's what he'll do he won't want to open them up and, and have the potential of going behind and then Swansea having something to defend if he can possibly help it so uh, I, I'm I'm predicting nervy and edgy um, but obviously an early goal could could change things slightly last time of the season then Adam I know the the TSP fans are clamoring for it I, I, I wouldn't be right if I didn't ask you I mean you pretty much from, from the way I've listened to that you, you're saying this is must win no no it's not must win of course it's not they've got um well, they've got another game after this. How could it be must-win? Yeah, but that's Man they, City. Look, look, look. The problem with must-win, for the last, surely the last right. time this season, is if they don't win, well, a there's another game, and if they if they got relegated, there's another season. The world doesn't explode, <laughs> so it's not yeah, must-win. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's people like Donald Trump on the planet. You never know, do you? But uh, there we go. Then come on, then let's end the season, the away season, on a high, Adam. Swansea City versus Southampton. Adam Leach's prediction is... 3-0 Saints. 
What? Come on, let's have your real prediction. No, that's it. Wow, that's that's bold. Do you know, I I'd, I was going to go for 1-0 Saints, and then I thought I would feel really bad if reverse psychology didn't work and I uh, I put the mockers on them. So I'm going to go for 2-1 Swansea, but yeah, deep down, Adam, between you and me, and I'm sure no one else is listening, I do, I do think we can go there and win. Hey, yes, get in there. Thanks as always for taking the time to listen to Total Saints podcast. It is appreciated very much. My thanks also to Adam. Let's hope Saints can get a result and a much needed win down at Swansea this week. A simply massive game in our club's 133 year history. I know that the away end at Swansea is sold out. So sing loud and sing proud. Until the next time, this has been Total Saints podcast. Keep marching in. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.